0: Right now, on matter of fact,
1: I own a house in Milwaukee and I pay much less per month than the people on this block. That pisses me off.
0: Affordable housing advocates are fed up with the market.
1: They're competing with some of these companies that have millions and millions of dollars in the bank.
0: Find out how they're helping local buyers get homes before they're snapped up by private investment firms and making
2: dreams come true. Even pre approved for a mortgage.
3: I start crying
2: and I'm tired of both sides weaponizing election administration.
0: One of Georgia's top election officials is tired of the back and forth.
2: It undermines everybody's faith in the outcomes of these elections.
0: What he says about the politics of voting. Plus, Sylvia Mendez was just seven years old when she was turned away from a California public school. Don't you know we don't allow Mexicans in the school? Now in her 80s, Mendez reflects on how she paved the way for integrated schools.
4: I'm Soledad O'Brien, welcome to Matter of Fact. 30 years ago, a lot of things were different. Inflation was just over 3 percent. Cell phones were rare, and Google didn't even exist. Starter homes, around 2,000 square feet or less, were selling for about $90,000. Now, if you can get into the market, you're paying about $300,000 for that first house. In Milwaukee, Wisconsin, owning a house is still relatively affordable. However, in recent years, first-time buyers have faced another obstacle competition from real estate investment firms who often buy a blocks of homes in predominantly black neighborhoods before people even see a listing our correspondent dan lieberman traveled to milwaukee to see how one innovative program is helping residents compete for the keys to their first homes
3: is that okay you want a straw i'm the first homeowner in my family to get those keys in your hand there's nothing like it
5: Milwaukee native Ray Johnson knows what a big deal it is to own this 5 bedroom house.
3: It's huge. It's like the biggest table I've ever had in my life.
5: Johnson works remotely as a tech writer and is raising 12-year-old son Elijah.
3: He shared with me, you know, he feels peaceful. It's a sense of peace and a sense of pride. It's this sense of like accomplishment. The upstairs still needs a lot of love.
5: RAY WAS ABLE TO BUY THE HOME WITH THE HELP OF AXE HOUSING, A nonprofit THAT WORKS MAINLY WITH BLACK AND LATINO FAMILIES TO TAKE THEM FROM BEING RENTERS TO BUYERS.
3: I MET WITH A HOME BUYING COACH. WE WENT THROUGH MY CREDIT, LIKE, LITERALLY LINE BY LINE. IT TOOK ME ABOUT 10 MONTHS, BUT I PAID OFF ALMOST $12,000 IN DEBT. AXE FAMILIES, WE GET $50,000 FOR OUR MORTGAGES to either buy a home outright or you get that $50,000 for your rehab costs. I got 50000 from Axe, and I put in about 30000 of my own money to rehab
5: this house. While Ray is a success story, many would-be homebuyers are increasingly facing steep competition from private equity-backed investors in the real estate market. So why did you want to show us this very
1: block? This block is really a microcosm of the trends we've seen in Milwaukee since the housing crisis.
5: Researcher John Johnson studies housing and demographic policy issues at Marquette University Law School. Highgrove Holdings
1: owns lots of houses on this block.
5: Out-of-state investors and private equity firms are buying up hundreds of homes in Milwaukee, often before they're advertised by real estate companies.
1: These 6 houses, they bought them in one package deal for $520,000. Now, per property, it's not exorbitant, but because it was sold in a package like that, you don't even have the chance if you're somebody who just wants to buy a house to live in. Does it make you angry what's happening here in the city? I own a house in Milwaukee and I pay much less per month than the people on this block, who are probably quite a bit poorer than me, are paying to rent housing that is quite inferior to mine. That pisses me off.
6: This is it, the first acquisition house.
5: Dorothy York is Axe Housing's real estate vice president.
6: So, this is your typical starter home.
5: To compete with private companies, her organization has raised millions from private donations.
6: Now, we are actually buying the houses. We're getting in there. We're making sure that we then turn those over for home ownership and making those homes affordable for the families we serve.
5: The group plans to buy 100 homes in the next year, then sell them as affordable homes for families, well below market rate. BY BECOMING AN INVESTOR, BY BECOMING AN ACQUISITION FUND, ARE YOU BASICALLY CREATING AN ARTIFICIAL MARKET? I THINK
6: WHAT WE'RE DOING IS LEVELING THE PLAYING FIELD. FOR THE LOW-TO-MODERATE INCOME FAMILIES WE SERVE, THE RENTAL MARKET, IN MILWAUKEE, ANYWAY, HAS GONE UP 16% OVER THE LAST YEAR. So it's just not a sustainable environment for people. When you buy your house, your mortgage payment is not going to go up typically.
5: What about people who say, there's so many homes here, so many vacant homes, that both can exist. You can have out-of-state investors and you can have affordable housing.
6: Look, it's uh, important for any city to have investment. But the type of predatory investing that we're seeing where um, it's interfering with the uh, natural normal dynamics of home ownership in the city that 's different.
5: Ray feels lucky to be paying a six hundred dollar a month mortgage, but wants more people to have the same opportunity.
3: We want dollars to stay here in Milwaukee to make sure that people have what they need it's that 's what equity is
5: What kind of long term impact do you think that could have on your son
3: he'll see that it's possible as a black person to own a home, right? Because there's so many people who've been oppressed and locked out of this system, literally, that he'll see, okay, my mom did it, it's possible.
5: In Milwaukee, I'm Dan Lieberman for Matter of Fact.
4: We reached out to Highgrove Holdings, one of several firms buying homes in Milwaukee, and we asked them to comment on the impact of these equity-backed purchases. Highgrove responded in a statement saying, in part, quote, as long-term holders of property, not flippers, we have a vested interest in the neighborhoods we serve, end quote. They also said that the homes the company buys are, quote, constructive investments that positively impact Milwaukee by creating jobs and reinvesting in the community, end quote.
0: Next on Matter of Fact, this Georgia election official told Congress his state withstood pressure from President Trump to
2: change the vote.
4: Do you still worry that that false allegations are gonna hurt your party?
2: I don't wanna see any American think that their vote is being denied or dissuaded or hurt. How he'd change future elections let's make elections boring again plus
0: the Rappahannock tribe is rooted to this land it's a really
7: powerful place to be I could feel the ancestors there with me
0: meet the chief leading her nation forward to preserve what was always rightfully theirs and later could this unique getaway put an end to those sleepless nights You're watching Matter of Fact, America's number one nationally syndicated public affairs news magazine.
4: This week, the Supreme Court heard the first of two high-stakes cases involving voting rights and redistricting. The decisions on the cases won't come until next June, but there will be some changes at the polls in several states for the upcoming midterms. Georgia is one of six states to enact election interference laws. That's in reaction to the baseless claims of widespread voter fraud and repeated false claims that the 2020 presidential election was stolen. Several provisions are controversial. Gabriel Sterling is the chief operating officer in the office of the Georgia Secretary of State. It's nice to talk to you, sir. Thank you for your time. So at the House hearings on January 6th, you and the Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, testified that the former President Trump said this, quote, I want you to find 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have. What do you think needs to happen so there's not pressure like that exerted on people who are responsible for counting votes?
2: The main issue you have to have is make sure that um, the American people elect people who follow their duty and follow their oath to the Constitution and the laws. That's what this office did. And the facts were that president lost, former president lost by 11,779 votes.
4: If you look at the new Georgia law, what's different in this upcoming election under this new law?
2: On absentee balloting, Georgia has been a no-excuse absentee state since 2005. We, were, we continue to be that way. So we put in an absentee ballot request deadline. By setting it the previous Friday, they have an entire week of early voting, and they have Election Day still to go. Another thing we did is we codified drop boxes. When the legislature came in, there was a discussion by some to outlaw them. They came to a compromise to say, we're going to keep them, and we're going to, for every 100,000 people, you'll have a drop box. Another thing that it did is we moved to a binary system, identifying the individual voters who requested those ballots. You still have to sign an oath saying you are who you say you are, but it's the ID is done by that driver's license number. And we also expanded early voting to mandate two Saturdays and then allow for Sunday voting on the two Sundays.
4: There was an investigation by by NPR, and they found that more than 90 percent of the voters live in the cities or suburbs home to, of course, uh, the state's minority voters, or where people vote heavily Democratic, who saw increases in their travel time, these drop boxes.
2: It's just not true. So trying to say somehow 90% of the people are affected by that is simply a way to skew what is being done here. It's really making it more fair for everybody evenly.
4: I would say make it easier literally for everybody and give more options to voting.
2: I would compare our access to any state in the union. We have more access than Michigan, New York, New Jersey, Delaware, where you still have to have an excuse to have an absentee in Delaware. And and I don't see the Department of Justice suing any of those states. And when the president of the United States came down and said that SB 202 was like Jim Crow Crow
5: 2.0,
2: and when you use this kind of rhetoric, you make people angry on the left, and you make people angry on the right. I am tired of both sides weaponizing election administration, and it undermines everybody's faith in the outcomes of those elections.
4: Can I ask you about something that was talked a lot about in the press? I know you can't give, you know, voters gifts of any value for voting, that seems pretty obvious to me, but but how is water considered to be a a gift of value?
2: This is less about the water or the snacks than it is about in every state in the country. There is some barrier at which you cannot interact with voters in line. The problem you have is people were trying to take advantage of loopholes in the law to try to do that last-minute politicking.
4: You um, have said that the former president's comments about the election being stolen cost Republicans in Georgia. Do you still worry that, that false allegations are going to hurt your party?
2: Not just because they're going to hurt my party. I don't want to see any American think that their vote is being denied or dissuaded or hurt. And that's true for both sides. I don't believe voter suppression is real, but I have seen people fear that. We also have a bunch of Republicans who have been told, don't trust these machines. So. They keep on trying to find a different thing to be angry about and keep people spun up. We've got to get to a point where adults are in the room and we got to worry about the entire country and the long-term health of the democracy itself.
4: It's nice to talk to you, sir. Thank you for your time.
2: Thank you so much. Have a great day. Coming up on Matter of Fact...
4: My name is
7: Chief Ann Richardson. I'm of the Rappahannock Tribe of Virginia, and
0: I am a great-grandmother. How a return of sacred land to her tribe is giving this Native American leader hope for future generations. Plus...
8: Oh my God, I see myself!
0: Behind that smile is a woman who changed history. My name is Sylvia Mendez, daughter of Gonzalo, and Felicitas Mendez. What happened when her parents went to court to integrate her California public school?
4: Monday marks what's known as Christopher Columbus Day. For many, the holiday symbolizes the violent eradication of Native American populations. Last year, President Joe Biden issued the first ever presidential proclamation of Indigenous People's Day, which is celebrated on Columbus Day. In Virginia, Indigenous People's Day is observed, but is not an official state holiday yet. And now another step to repair relationships with tribes in that state. 465 acres of sacred land near the Rappahannock River is back in the hands of the Rappahannock Tribe, a land give back made possible by groups like the Chesapeake Conservancy and Acres for America. Chief Ann Richardson describes what this means for her tribe and for future generations.
7: The land back movement has been a part of the equity and inclusion and fight for civil rights in this particular era. I think it was in uh, 2015. And uh, my assistant chief and I, Mark Fortune, we realized um, that if we don't do something, our children would lose that culture and that knowledge of the river. The cliffs, or the place of these three towns, is like uh, the mid-Atlantic nesting ground for the, the bald eagle. And the eagles are sacred to the tribe. And so we wanted to protect them and protect their breeding grounds and yet we want to use this land as an opportunity to tell the true history of the tribe because colonial powers and colonial mindsets that still exist in our state have really uh, hidden our history. Sometimes you're working so fast and so hard on things that you don't stop to breathe and really think about what it is that you're doing It is with great humility and thankfulness to God that I welcome you all here today on behalf of the Rappahannock tribe and the ancestors who worked so hard for today but never lived to see it. We were there celebrating the return of our people to those towns after 350 years. The earth is in peril and it's speaking loudly that it is in peril. And I think that perhaps humanity is seeing and hearing what the earth is having to say. And they're calling on those indigenous stewards to teach the rest of the world how to live and how to take care of the mother earth and each other um, so that we all might be able to survive.
0: NEXT ON MATTER OF FACT, IN 1940'S CALIFORNIA, THIS LITTLE GIRL WAS TURNED AWAY FROM HER LOCAL PUBLIC SCHOOL. HOW HER FAMILY'S LEGAL BATTLE BECAME A LANDMARK CASE. Judge McCormick said,
8: separate is not equal. THE FIRST TIME THAT HAD BEEN SPOKEN.
0: AND LATER. SOME ADVICE FOR INSOMNIACS. COULD COUNTING REAL SHEEP IN A PASTURE BE THE CURE? To stay up to date with Matter of Fact, sign up for our newsletter at matteroffact.tv.
4: Five years ago, Sylvia Mendez walked into the history books as a seven-year-old. Mendez was a child plaintiff in the case Mendez versus Westminster in California. The case laid the groundwork for the more well-known Supreme Court case Brown versus Board of Education. Both cases challenging the constitutionality of public school segregation. We sent our correspondent, Laura Chavez, to meet the woman who helped pave the way for integrated schools. Here's a portion of their conversation. My aunt Sally went up to the clerk
8: and she said, "Uh, you can't leave these children here. She says, why not? Because we don't take Mexicans here.
1: Talk to me about some of the differences between what they taught at the white school and the Mexican school.
8: Well, in the Mexican school, they were trying to teach you how to speak English. Even though we already spoke English, and how to take care of a house, and how to cook, because they figured you know they'll end up being maids. You know they weren't teaching us you know academics like reading, writing, arithmetic. Judge McCormick said, "Separate is not equal." The first time that had been spoken, "Separate is not equal," and they won the first case.
4: Sylvia Mendez was featured in our latest Matter of Fact listening tour, Trailblazers, Troublemakers, and Dreams. You can watch her entire story on matteroffact.tv.
0: Next on Matter of Fact, the age-old advice of counting sheep is being put to the test by literally counting sheep.
4: Finally, some advice for insomniacs. For generations, people have been told to count sheep if they have trouble falling asleep. The practice is believed to date back to medieval Britain when shepherds had to count their sheep every night before hitting the hay. Some think it's even older, from early Islamic culture. Well now, a European mattress firm is building a dome in the quaint English countryside of Sussex. It's called Sleep sanctuary yes sleep the company will randomly select a winner to spend a night in luxury with a guest and count real sheep outside of their room before drifting into dreamland there is a catch though scientists at Oxford University have studied this sheep counting theory and they have found it doesn't work it doesn't help you fall asleep at all maybe it feels too much like work that's it for this edition of matter of fact I'm Soledad O'Brien and I'll see you back here next week
0: Listen to Matter of Fact with Soledad O'Brien on your favorite podcast provider. Watch us during the week on FYI and YouTube.